Law Focus Podcast. Law Focus. Point, point of information. Good evening. It's exactly three minutes after seven. And you're tuned into Bow FM, broadcasting on 88.1 FM. Um, I'm Tsepo Mohabi and I'm joined by Millicent Ndiweni. Is that is that that perfect day? Thank you. You didn't butcher it right now. Welcome to Law Focus. I'm sorry. I say it too quickly sometimes. (laughs) No, it's fine. Remember that Law Focus is the program which deals with the law. We want to basically bring you your legal rights, help you understand them, and also discuss issues, current issues that are relevant within the law. That is our aim. Yeah. And today, um, we are going to be speaking about the 16 days of activism against violence on women and children. Now, yesterday marked the launch of the 16 days of activism. And the 16 days of activism against uh, for no violence against women and children is a United Nations campaign which takes place every year from the 25th of November, and that is the International Day of No Violence Against Women and Children, to the 10th of December each year, which is the International Human Rights Day. The theme for this year is Enough is Enough. Uh, 365 days of gender-based violence or against gender-based violence and femicide. Certainly. South Africa, unfortunately, sadly, is the crime capital. Well, I shouldn't have said it like that. But South Africa really is the capital of uh, alarming levels of violence against women and children. Every single day when you wake up, you will hear stories of today alone, which uh, is the second day of the campaign, We've heard of a Capricorn College woman who was... No, stabbed 50 odd times. Over 50 times and potentially raped as well, you know. Uh, We know we've got cases that are undergoing in court. Solilo Kumalo, who was last year killed by her boyfriend in KZN, that case is underway right now. Uh, Just last week or so, we had Lungi Lebwata, who was imprisoned for the murder and uh, after the rape um, of of Uyinen and Mkhotyana. So, I mean, the issues are a lot and many, 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 many women and children still have they perpetrators roaming the streets. So that is why there's such an important issue in South Africa that we really, really need to deal with. Femicide really has become a common occurrence and children as young as four, even younger, really, and you know, women who are much, much older than some of our grandparents are subjected to sexual assaults at alarming rates within their families, Mm. by neighbors, by strangers. And according to Independent Online, just in August alone, this year, we had more than 30 women and girls who met their deaths. I'm sure the, 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 the statistics could even be more than that. And mainly at the hands of their intimate partners. That is very scary when you can't even trust the person whom you share the same bed with. This certainly paints a worrying and alarming picture of gender-based violence in the country. Yeah. Um, South Africa is a... I think we have to be honest with ourselves. South Africa is an extremely violent country. Oh, yeah. And uh, gender-based violence is one of the worst aspects in which um, we sort of are really, really, I mean, terrible at that. Uh, um, Now, to really talk about it, we've partnered with Legal Aid South Africa and the Department of Basic Education in this year's 16 Days of Activism. The radio campaign is to highlight the high rate of gender-based violence uh, that's happening within our school system, uh, which is often perhaps treated as a separate category, and it's often not really a separate category at all, uh, because gender-based violence does happen there, and people in those categories, you know, particularly school children, uh, school girls, will be very vulnerable 
uh, to gender-based violence and sexual sorts of violence Of as course, well. because the school is simply but a microcosm of society. And that is why we're going to have the Department of Basic Education, which has actually established various policies and protocols, which are meant to be interventions that will help to curtail elements of school-related gender-based violence. And they're going to join us on the line uh, later this evening to talk about uh, what developments they have come up with and whether they're going to be effective. Legal Aid South Africa is another institution that will be helping us this evening in our conversation, and they're going to detail the life-changing effects that young people face when engaging in criminal activities or when they commit gender-based crimes. And hopefully we will teach someone uh, how not to find themselves in a position where they are perpetrators and hopefully empower those who could potentially be victims if we possibly can. Don't forget that you can follow us on Twitter and keep the conversation going. We are available on at VowFM using the hashtag LawFocus. You may also dial our WhatsApp number uh, by sending us a voice note or just, uh, you know, type a quick message on 084-078-4912. Remember that we are also available for our podcasts uh, if you are seeking to get this show, our previous shows on the Vits journalism.co.za forward slash law that's where you can find all our podcasts or you may uh, alternatively go to iono.fm you are tuned into Law Focus on VFM 88.1 it has gone 5 minutes after 7 and coming up after this break will be our legal hotspots my name is Melissa Tindiweni and with me is Tepo Mohapi and we are your hosts for Law Focus tonight Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the of, the stories of the week, it's Legal Hotspots. In our first story this evening, uh, we know that we have the South African Human Rights Commission, which had charged Springbok player Eben Itzifeth, and uh, it has come out from a report by Rapport newspaper on yeah. Sunday that the commission actually does not have any, well, substantial evidence to really charge uh, it's a birth for what's the Langerbun 4, that's how the uh, Western K people who um, have accused him of racial slurs are called. So basically what happened is that on the 25th of August, outside a pub in the Western Cape, uh, it is said that it's a birth, uh, you know, used some racial language against four Langerbun community members. And that is the reason why this case was then taken to the commission. But it's turned out now in uh, recent reports that actually the evidence that is there is not even substantial for this case to be ongoing and that the the commission is now being uh what's the word um he's basically saying that they're just doing it so that they can appease uh, the community what the langaban for wanted is over a million rand compensation from Elizabeth, and then they wanted him to also apologize. Uh, hang on, let's just clarify that quickly because yeah. that sounds a little bit odd. <laughs> uh-huh. you put it like that. So what they're saying now, what what the newspaper is saying, is that they're accusing the um, commission, the commission of simply uh, going for Elizabeth to appease the community. Of course, the commission denies that. Okay, so it's not as though it's conclusively that there isn't enough evidence. There's a report now that there isn't enough evidence. Okay. All right. And so now uh, at, at the moment, we just know that, of course, they, they're still waiting um, for if, if, if they do and they case, if yeah. it goes ahead, uh, a million rand compensation, which is what they are uh, demanding. And then they want an apology from Elizabeth. And then they want him to also undergo 
anger management and racial sensitivity training and finally they want him to do community service so yeah. we'll wait to hear how that yeah, we'll see how, we'll see how that works out because the, the the measure for charging an individual is never whether or not you can prove them guilty or not it's whether or not they have a case to answer to that's the measure that's it and then you put it before the forum and the forum decides whether he's guilty or not um, so to say but they, we don't have enough evidence I'm not sure what they mean don't they have enough evidence to convict or don't they have enough evidence to find guilty or don't they have enough evidence to charge that's very different questions that you that, 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 that are being put there. So it'll be interesting to see what the outcome of that is. Mm-hmm. All right. Let, let, let's now look at a one which is somewhat unusual. A woman gets her co-workers fired after reporting their night out banter to her HR division. Now, a woman had three of her colleagues fired after she overheard them having what she calls a disturbing conversation about her co-workers and reported them to her HR division. The woman whom we, let's let's call her Mary, was invited to a night out for drinks organized by the department's supervisor. And what she did was she overheard three of her male colleagues ranking women in her office, including herself, on what they referred to as the quote-unquote hot list. Now, Mary, who originally shared the matter on Reddit, said the three women rated uh, the three men sorry rated the women in the office from worst uh, to best based on their looks now she admits that she was eavesdropping on the conversation however she felt she left the you know feeling upset and disturbed and decided to report the matter to hr and subsequently the men were fired now the night out had been organized by a supervisor of the company and so you could say it was a sort of a work function informal or it doesn't matter it was a work function organized by someone at work and the colleagues were then discussing these kinds of things at work and that's what got them dismissed it's a south african story i'm i'm told it's a very interesting one and it's a display of how far it is that your employer can take action against you where he feels as though you've brought his, his company into disrepute mm. uh, but i mean we'll see whether that one is appealed, taken to the CCMA or whatever the case may be. That that, that one might not end there. Uh, it's a meaty one. Let's see how well, it's unfortunate. Happens. Like you were saying earlier on, that we actually don't have the full details of what the conversation was yeah, about yeah. because what perhaps that's exactly to, uh, what is the reason to yeah. such measures. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's 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 yeah. We've got scant information about it at the moment, but it's a very interesting one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the KZN Education Department has expelled seven sex pest teachers. Now, ENCA has reported that uh, KwaZulu-Natal Education Department uh, is intensifying the war against sex pests who are preying on learners. The department has fired seven teachers and one administrator for sexual violations against learners. Uh, KZN Education MEC Kwazim Shengu has said the expulsions were part of an effort to cleanse the department. Uh, Mshengu has expressed concern about the length of time the case will take, saying what is worrying about the duration is the issue that uh, it may take long to conclude the cases and the perpetrators might be allowed back to schools without any consequences because of the collapse of cases where the victim decides to leave the school or graduate from the schooling system. Mshengu says he has about 12 appeals uh, that have been brought uh, to his attention so far. I'm assuming those appeals are of individuals who were dismissed and are now appealing the decision to dismiss They want to come back and teach. I don't know. I think the, the good MEC needs to take advice on this. Misconduct... Um, between a teacher by a teacher rather and a conviction for a criminal offence are two separate things someone can be fired for misconduct 
let's say with a mind with a, with a, a learner teacher against the learner they can be fired for that without having been convicted of a crime that doesn't mean that if they're subsequently acquitted of a crime they're not guilty of misconduct so perhaps he needs to look at um, what the guidelines might be in respect of the department i'm not sure about his position there yeah, it's a tough one. It's just that, you know, uh, we, we, we're speaking of gender-based violence today. Mm. This is a problem that we have in our country. I mean, it's a global phenomenon, um, to be quite honest. But generally in South Africa, we've no one can deny the fact that this is an issue. And then you've got teachers who take advantage of kids. You know, you could say, oh, but the kids, like, there's no consent. With, with an underage person, you can't talk about consent in that perspective. So. Mm. I think we need to have teachers who are going to respect the profession of education of teaching, you know, and be dignified. Um, we cannot have teachers who are going to be taking advantage and appealing cases and winning them and coming back to, to schools. I don't know. I, I'm not as forgiving as, you know, rehabilitation, which is something that is widely yeah. spoken of. But, but I, mean, I, I think that's exactly what we need to distinguish between. The fact that someone may or may not be convicted of some crime against the minor doesn't mean that they haven't committed a misconduct in 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 terms of their professional environment yeah yeah, yeah. and that professional if, if that is enough sh that should be enough to have them dismissed from their post even if they're not subsequently convicted of a of an offense so i think maybe the MEC must take advice on that question. and maybe they can lose their certificates i don't know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. you can you can you, you really can be uh removed from 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 the profession of, of, completely. of teaching yeah. yeah is a possibility that one okay well coming up next we're going to have our first interview and uh hopefully you will stick by for this it's just gone after quarter past seven this evening with millicent and tabo on raw focus this evening rounding up all, all the top all stories, the of, the stories of the week it's legal hotspots Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VowFam88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Well, welcome back to Law Focus. You're with Millicent and Tapo. Remember, the conversation isn't a conversation without you. Mm. And you can join the conversation on Twitter using the, ha the uh, handle at VowFM and the hashtag law focus it's now just gone ooh, what time is it 18 minutes after seven 18 minutes after seven and we're having a discussion which is pertinent to each and every one of us here today it's 16 days of activism against uh, uh, violence you know uh, against women and children and um we it launched yesterday it's going to run for 16 days uh, but in south africa it's a conversation that has been happening actually for a while now but it's a, only a conversation that's been happening for a while. I haven't seen all that much action. If you go, for instance, on some of the social media sites, just as an example, you know, there was this hashtag that was going around saying, well, men are trash. You know, <laughs> men are trash, men are trash. And it, it came from, um, you know, all of the horrendous, horrendous crimes committed almost exclusively by men against women. Um, and in response to it, what you had was this, but not all men mm. are trash. <laughs> and you had this whole sort of, you know, but I'm not by a lot of men who perhaps are really are not perpetrators of sexual violence and crime and so on. Against women, but say, but n not me. I'm not part of that. And uh, I think, I think th that sort of 
topic or, or that sort of approach to it can be not can be is problematic although the you know one can argue that you know if if i paint all men in this particular brush it makes all men less uh, um uh, willing to tackle and engage this topic at the same time i think even a good guy who perhaps hasn't engaged in sexual violence or violence against women and children is you know able to contribute to the conversation by being honest that men generally create problems within society because of their permissiveness even if they're not participants but enough from me let's go to our wonderful guest miss villagazi who is uh from the legal aid of south africa um which is an, uh, an uh, a statutory body and it was established in order to help people access justice particularly those who can't afford to do so um, or afford independent legal representation. They're assisted by Legal Aid South Africa. Hello, Ms. Villagazi. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Yes, can I just fix that intro? I am not a representative of Legal Aid South Africa. I am a member of the Law Society Criminal Law Committee. Ah. And I am a practicing attorney from Butelezi Villagazi Attorneys. But we are working in collaboration with Legal Aid for these 16 days of activism uh, against violence for women and children. So the Law Society, what? Yes. Aha, uh-huh. okay. So you, you're part of one of the committees or? That's okay. Okay. <laughs> and a practicing attorney. Mm. All right, sorry about that. Uh, I, I I got that. Can you hear me? Your line is you're sounding very faint. I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Can Ms. Villagazi, can you hear us? We can hear you loud and clear. Okay, uh, I don't think we are able to... Hello? Oh, that's a pity. Yeah, we're struggling to just ex- um, access her. I think we're going to have to just change the lines a bit so that we can get a hold of her again. Yeah. And then we can get straight into the interview. So, Ms. Villagazi is basically supposed to help us to unpack the law. Remember, we're speaking, um, we're looking at the 16 days of activism. We're looking at gender-based violence, but within the school environment. Yeah. That's our focus for this evening. Yeah. So, we're looking at um, your Department of Basic Education um, at the school level. So the conversation that we are going to be having this evening is from those age groups and we're going to be speaking about minors in particular. Mm. Minors who might find themselves in a situation where they have committed crimes of sexual harassment or violence against the, their peers or minors who find themselves having been victims or let me rather say survivors of uh, people who might have, uh, you know, committed grievous acts of, of violence against them. That is the conversation that we aim to have this evening. Okay, so we are still trying to get a hold of Ms. Um, yeah. Vilak Our lines are being very problematic. It would be nice if uh, we managed to get people who are able to actually uh, contact us. Remember that we are available on Twitter using the hashtag LawFocus. That's where you can get out as uh, at VowFM using the hashtag LawFocus. Otherwise, you can also contact us on our WhatsApp line. 084-078-4912 is where you can get a hold of us. Ms. Vilak uh, is this a better line? Can you hear us now? Hello. Hi, good evening. Welcome. Can you hear us? Hello, can you hear me? Loud and clear. 
Can you hear us? You're sounding very, very far, but let's try, let's talk. Okay. okay. I, I, I don't disturb us going forward. Mm. Okay. Now, hopefully, uh, let's just start from the very, very beginning. No, you, this, is, this is not working. I can't hear you at all. Okay. All right. all right. No, it's fine. That's I think right. we're going to have to leave it there uh, with Ms. Vilagazi. Unfortunately, the, the lines, lines of communication are bad. I think we're going to just take a quick break, and then when we come back, we will continue with the show. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VowFam88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're having some problems with our lines, but let's continue with the conversation anyway. Take a look at, you know, what happens when, you know, how does the law treat, for instance, um, minors when it comes to to criminal offences? Mm. Of course, a minor can't be treated in the same way that um, an adult should be treated. I mean, uh, if you look at, for instance, uh, the incarceration aspect of it, they can't be held in the same facility as a as a as a major would be. I think we might have our guest back on the line, and let's take a, let's let's take a chance and see. Hello, Ms. Vilagazi. Hello. Hello, can you hear us? Well, I'm not hearing anything. Yeah. Um, I think, well, that one... <laughs> I can, hello, I yeah. can hear you. Oh, you can? Yes, I'm here. All right, great. Tell us, uh, from a criminal legal perspective, what are the levels of criminal liability for a minor, for, for, for a child? Are they treated the same as an adult? No. Children are basically treated in terms of the Child Justice Act. Mm-hmm. Mm, a child under 10 years old is not criminally liable at all. However, a child who's above 10 but under 14 can only be held criminally liable if the prosecutor can prove that the child is has criminal capacity. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's a whole process defined or provided for by the Child Justice Act that children who are found to be or to have committed an offense can either be diverted, which means they're taken through a diversion program, or depending on the seriousness of the offense, they may in fact be prosecuted and sent through to prison. Okay. Mm. Now, with with respect to incarceration and trial, is that done the same way as an adult would be as well, or are there slight differences? There is a huge difference, in fact. Yes, they may, the child justice court may be guided by the Criminal Procedure Act, which which uh, uh, which is the one that is used when adults are prosecuted. But the way in which the proceedings are conducted is totally different. Mm. First of all. The, the, the proceedings are conducted in camera. There's no anyone else except court officials when mm. the proceedings are, uh, are, are taking place. Mm. So it's closed or, court? It's closed court. And mm. Only the guardian or the mother, whoever, can, can be present. Mm. And number two, when a child is, is, is prosecuted, you can't cross-examine a child in the same way as you process a man in adult. So the magistrate has got to check if the, the environment is not hostile for the child, where the, the, the questions being posed are not, uh, um, you know, how attorneys would usually cross examine a person who sound ruthless. 
yeah. that cannot apply to a child. But if, in case you do, the magistrate will be there to reprimand you. Mm. Yes, okay. So, 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 so the manner in which the prosecution takes place has to take into consideration that we are dealing child, with a child. The interest okay. of the child, yes. Mm. And you also spoke of uh, diversion programs which are uh, a different routes that would be taken for children instead of like just you know throwing them in, in a jail cell or even just taking them straight to juvenile. Now, does that also apply to sexual offences matters? Does it depend on the extent you know, how extreme um, the violence that a child might have committed against another is? Mm. Yeah, the diversion program can uh, uh, be recommended for for a child who's committed a sexual offense. Like I, I said, it, it, it depends on, on, on whether the prosecutor can prove criminal liability. Mm. Mm. Okay. Uh-huh. They say a child has rape, but the prosecutor cannot that a child knows right from wrong mm-hmm. yeah whether the, what kind of environment the child is growing in what is he exposed to such things that yeah. they must be taken into account now let me give you a situation a 16 year old is found to be criminally liable right and they're convicted of let's say rape and they're sentenced to to imprisonment for let's say five years uh, mm-hmm. By the time that they're released, they should be at least about 19 years old, which would, mm-hmm. at the time that they go to jail, they'd still be minors, uh, mm-hmm. but at the time of release, they'd be now adults, well, uh, majors, let me put it like that. Now, when they're first incarcerated, where would they be incarcerated, and will that change when they reach the age of 18, or will they complete their sentence at a facility for children, or what, what will happen in that scenario? Okay, so a child over 14 will be if if sentenced to imprisonment is taken to a youth care center mm-hmm. a youth care center is sort is a prison for young people it's sort of like a boarding school if i may say so yes and that's uh, it, it's not like the, the the prison that we know when the child reaches the age of 18 he is then moved from that center to the main prison because he's now an adult Right, okay. So you'll be separated from other minors? Yes. Oh, right, okay. 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 Oh, well, I, I, I wasn't aware of that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, case, different cases that we could give out to try and understand this further. You get sometimes, I don't know how this one is dealt with, uh, a child who might have uh, a mental um, impairment, whatever whatever mental uh, problems that the child might be facing, and uh, this child um, is not yet, you know, in an institution where they supposed to 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 be, you know, given the right mental health facilities. This child is probably at home. Maybe they've got social workers involved trying to help the family with this case, right? And mm-hmm. a, a child like this maybe ends up in a place of safety, and they find themselves maybe having committed uh, some kind of sexual act against another child um, you know uh, where maybe I don't know it's a male child and you know they they, they find themselves having uh, you know put their genitals in someone's mouth for instance you know something of mm-hmm. a, a case like that and then uh, obviously the teacher has to take action because this happened or, or the place where the child stays the, you know where it happens and this person is under the age of 14 
but they've committed something like this. What would happen in such a situation? Um, I, I think the details might be a bit intense, but I'm trying to be as practical as possible because sometimes these are the kind of things that do happen. Mm. Okay. First of all, a person with mental impairment or mental illness does not have criminal liability. Mm. Whether you're old or young, you, you, you don't have criminal capacity. Now, a, 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 a child in that position, obviously the, the, the probation officer must be informed that there's such an incident. Probation officer is to respond maybe within seven days of finding out about that incident and assess the child after assessing the child establish criminal liability or recommend maybe a diversion program or therapy or whatever that he feels the child needs to go through mm. but such a person cannot be taken through a criminal uh, a court process because he is not fit to stand trial right right mm. okay well, in the final instance, I think maybe you can just um, give us, uh, I don't know, advice. Uh, we've got, you know, different age groups that are listening. Some people uh, do go to school and are of school going age. Uh, the parents might be listening to the show right now. Uh, and as an attorney, you can, you know, encourage us and tell us how a criminal record can, for any offense for, for that matter, you know, can really seriously uh, hamper your opportunities in life. You know, just a word of advice to all the young people who are listening to this program. Well, this advice I may give as a parent, maybe not as an attorney. Okay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> now, once you get a criminal record, if there is not going away, whether the criminal record was when you were young or whether you are, you are old, that's not what is considered. First of all, companies, when they, they want to hire you, all they check is whether the, the, the criminal record center, if they find that there's a criminal record, they won't go further. Mm. They won't want you, they won't call you to come and justify that, no, I was young, this is what happened. You, you, you're not given an opportunity to explain. They check the criminal record center and they find a criminal record, it's done. Mm. And it will affect you your whole life. And there is no way you can remove a criminal record unless it is past maybe 20 years and you you apply for expungement of that criminal record but it needs to be a a, a, a small offense that you committed yeah not a big offense but it is after a period of 20 years and it's not guaranteed that the criminal record will be expunged it depends on 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 the process and whom you're applying to. Mm, mm, mm. Yes. Wow, I think that's that's amazing. Thank you so much, Ms. Lerato Vilagazi. She, she is Amanda Vilagazi. Amanda, I keep on saying Lerato, I'm sorry. Amanda Vilagazi from, she's a practicing attorney at Butelezi Vilagazi Attorneys. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you for your word of advice further as well. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, so okay. I'm glad we managed to finally get a hold of Amanda after a long time with us struggling with our lines over there. But I think that was very good advice in the final instance where she said, hey, a criminal record is something that's very hard to get rid of if you even manage to get rid of it in terms of an expungement, which will be after many, many, many years of you having lived with it. So to everyone, young or old, if you don't have it, don't try and go and get it. Yeah, well, that's very good advice. I don't think you can add much to that. It's very difficult to find work with uh, with a criminal record. It doesn't matter whether it's a large or a small one. It's mm. still difficult. All right, we're going to move on to our next uh, interview. 
Um, our next discussion is with Lhatsa, Ms. Mrs. Lhatsaneni, and she's from the Department of Basic Education. She's representative from them. We're going to discuss a few of the points um, that affect um, gender-based violence and so on within the Department of Basic Education. Hello? Hello? No. Oh, it seems as though <laughs> we're having a little bit of more problem with our lines yet again. I, I don't know what's wrong with these. It's like it's like ESCOM runs the lines. Eh? Uh, let's go. Let's just go take a break quickly, and uh, we'll be back shortly. No focus. Point. Point of information. Welcome back to Law Focus. You're with Millicent and Zappo. Remember to join the conversation on Twitter at VowFM using the hashtag Law Focus. Um, or you can also WhatsApp us on 084-078-4912. Uh, We're talking about gender-based violence, 16 very days of activism. And on the line, we've got a representative from the Department of Education, Ms. Satsaneni. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I have to pronounce that very carefully so that I don't get it wrong. Uh, good evening. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm okay, and how is you? Ah, well, doing very well. I'm very pleased that I can hear you clearly, and that you can hear me clearly, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I can hear What's your name, by the way? Tsepo Mohapi. Tsepo? Yes. Okay, I get Tsepo. <laughs> yes, I can hear you very loudly, yes, too. We've just been having a few problems with our lines. But let's 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 take a look at, at, at the Department of Basic Education and the challenges that it's experiencing at the moment uh, with gender-based violence at schools. Uh, can you tell us, do we have in South Africa have a real serious problem with gender-based violence within our schools? Mm. Oh, Tepo, yes, of course, we do have the challenge. And uh, I want to contextualize the challenge of uh, gender-based violence or rather violence in our schools because I think we are a society, a country that is really violent in nature. Mm. So what is happening within our communities transpires to our schools because remember, Schools are microsources of what is happening within our community. Mm. So if our communities are violent, that's obviously going to affect our schools in a very negative way. Mm. So in that instance, yes. But there is also issues, you know, that speaks to sexual harassment, physical abuse, um, uh, 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 that is happening in, 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 in lots of our schools. But um, more, most importantly, what I think it is uh, uh, an issue around violence in our schools, it's bullying, because bullying is a big part of what results in a number of other are forms of abuse that we might find in our schools. Right. Yeah. Mm. And 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 as the department having noted that this is a huge challenge uh in in our country, what measures uh have you thought best to be able to educate the children in schools uh you know of this problem to make sure that when they grow up and even young as they are 
they don't mm. find themselves being one of the problems, you know, like some of the adults that we we have in our society who unfortunately aren't people whom we should be looking up to. And I mean, we have to speak of the boy child, the girl child, as well as the gender neutral child. Mm, mm. Look, um, in, 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 in our schools, we, we talk of children. And whether they are boy children, they are girl children, or they are non-gender conformist children, for us it's not an issue. We just talk to children. But coming back to your question about measures that we do have in terms of capacitating them, I would want to start with uh, our curriculum, which we call CAPS, which is a Curriculum Assessment Policy Statement. And this is a curriculum that goes into schools per phase to indicate what is it that in that particular phase each child is expected to learn. So our curriculum is human rights based. So that means it is not discriminatory. Let's start today. And um, this is based from our constitution that we all know that uh, our constitution supports the issues of everybody having been given their rights about i mean having been given human rights and then secondly our education we 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 from time to time establish that we need to assist our teachers in terms of particular issues that they might be making in terms of methodology but also in terms of information around issues that uh, are in prevention of gender-based violence or prevention of violence in our schools such those uh, are scripted lesson plans which talks largely around comprehensive sexuality education and i'm sure you would have had a big row around of course (laughs) yes in fact i I was was going to ask you uh, aren't you receiving a do you feel supported by uh, the community at large especially in respect to these controversial programs we had a show a couple of weeks ago about it and uh, it wasn't going very well um in terms of support wise uh, especially with regard to the sexual education part of it do you get a lot of pushback with your initiatives you you see Tepo, because i would want you guys to to get the correct information Mm. around the cse which is the comprehensive sexuality education right Mm. and because i want you i want to believe that you are also one of the very key critical stakeholder as the station but also as part forming part of members of community yes. of the communities where you're coming from to start with as the department we're talking comprehensive sexuality education not sexuality education not sex education not sexuality but comprehensive and what i mean by that we are actually teaching children to be children that would be able to respect themselves, children that would be able to respect their bodies, children that would be able to know what is right from wrong and to say the right thing at the right time, to say the no at the right, to say the no to a wrong thing at the right time. But we also say they supposed to know what is inappropriate physical 
interactions between and amongst themselves. So within the comprehensive sexuality education, these are the contents that goes into that. And I must also indicate to say that this content is age appropriate. It doesn't mean that like the, 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 the common thing that we, we teaching children to masturbate and teaching children yeah. uh, 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 to, 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 to sexualizing children. Mm. There is nothing like that. The comprehensive sexuality education is actually arming children to know what is right so that they become resilient, they, they become self-empowered so that they know what they need to do at a particular stage in their lives. So that is what, in brief, the comprehensive sexual so, education uh, is trying to. In in addition to any of those programs, I understand what you're saying. It's 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 good that you clarified that for us, and I appreciate it. In addition to any of those, that particular program that you have going, do you have programs, for example, with the police services and so on, uh, in hotspots uh, there where we tend to see flare-ups of violence or gender-based violence? Are there programs like that that exist, and how are they doing? We, we do have a, 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 a protocol that we've signed with SAPS. That means that each and every, we're trying to link each and every school to a police station. Right, okay. So that uh, po- po- police uh, 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 are assisting us in terms of uh, random searches, but also in terms of the programs like bullying prevention that yeah. they could play within schools but also in terms of schools understanding that there is a role that SAPS can play in terms of assisting us on cases of sexual abuse because they remember that the police are the only experts in the field that are supposed to go and do the investigation yes. so we're linking up the police stations so that they become kind of like known to schools and schools get to know what police stations can do in terms of assisting them with cases that require any form of investigation, either criminal or in civil cases. But also our protocol, we do have what we call the protocol for the management and reporting of sexual abuse and harassment in schools. They are one of the critical stakeholders that we've indicated in a protocol. The protocol is trying to give guidance and to give a standardized way of dealing with cases that schools come across with. So within the protocol, we've tried to tabulate and indicate each and every stakeholder's role. With how will they then assist in the, in the prevention or reporting or management of sexual abuse and harassment in our schools. And SAPS is one of those key stakeholders that have been indicated because of the role that I've just briefly indicated. All right. Okay. Now, I wa- a- 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 excellent. Um, we-, we appreciate those. Can you perhaps... You know, in South Africa, we have a tendency, and we do- we're wrapping up now. We've got a real tendency of of saying to, you know, when something goes wrong, we say, but government isn't doing this, government isn't doing that. Mm. Um, 
And often with children, we find that the problem begins long before government gets involved. You know, government gets involved maybe at the school level, at the court level, at the police level. And the problem has started already at the home. Um, sure. And are we having a lot of buy-in from South African parents? Because we're good at saying, but government isn't doing this, but what are you doing about it? Are we getting buy-in from school governing bodies, uh, from community-based organizations where parents do get involved? Are you seeing a lot of that happening? Or are we just seeing a lot of reactions once the problem has already escalated? We, Chapo, we do get a lot of support from the school governing associations. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if we're talking 27,000 schools in the country, you might get sporadic, you know, cases whereby you get those that would be against whatever. But generally speaking, I think we have a very healthy relationship with uh, the, the 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 school governing associations. I think you have partly, you know, um, answered the question around that we we have a tendency as South Africans of saying government this, government that, and we forget that we as communities, we as parents, we as general public, we also have a role in what is happening in our schools. Parents need to play their role in ensuring that they support schools in, 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 in becoming schools of excellency in terms of securing uh, the buildings, in, in terms of securing what is just uh, happening around. But also what is critical is that parents need to assist educators so that even what is being taught at a school, it's supposed to be supplemented in a home environment so that at least we as parents we're talking the same language as what would the, the teachers would be saying to our 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 our, our learners mm. right. okay well thank you for your time we appreciate your answers um i hope that the good work continues and that uh, your good sentiments and your good messages translate into good actions as well within our schools uh good night and thank you for your time Thank you very much for the opportunity. Right. Now, one of our listeners has asked on with on WhatsApp, you know, um, mm-hmm. a very interesting question. I think I'll just take a minute to answer it, if I can. Okay. Okay. So, there's evidence of sexual or physical abuse in the perpetrators reported, but later on, um, I'm, I'm assuming now, the complainant decides to drop the charges against the accused. How does the law deal with such cases? Yes, I'm the wronged person, but I might not want to press charges for some particular reason. But does the law take into consideration what other people who might be victims of that person? It depends. It really does depend on the facts, okay? And it depends on um, what the offense might be as well. A case uh, doesn't really go far without the complainant. Mm. Uh, It really doesn't normally go far. Uh, but it's not such a s- simple thing that, I, you know, a case can soma be dropped because the complainant doesn't want to proceed with it. That's not always the case, particularly when you're dealing with a very youthful um, victim, a minor who's a victim, for instance, that you, because you'd have to now take into consideration what's causing them to drop the the, the case. Uh, also in a domestic violence situation as well, you'd have to really, th- the prosecutor would have to really think about the factors that um, are causing someone to 
want to drop the case. So it's not an easy as easy as, well, I don't want to proceed, so we're not proceeding. That can happen, yeah, it can. It's not automatic that simply the complainant doesn't want to proceed, therefore the case is, is not going to proceed, and it doesn't always work that way. Uh, it can still proceed. The, the complainant may well be uh, subpoenaed to testify. The complainant is essentially a witness, the main witness, and the, and the person who instituted you know or is the cause of the criminal complaint uh, but they're a witness and uh, they can be compelled to, to come and testify it's not so straightforward and it's a almost a case by not case by case but it's a deep consideration into whether a, a case can be dropped or not so does it depend on circumstances is that yeah, what you're saying? There, there are a number of considerations there it's not it's the offense it's the victim it's the offender it's the interest of, all sorts of things are taken into consideration and then they can decide uh, either to die, you know, they can decide to divert, they can decide not to proceed with the case, all sorts mm. of things like that. Okay. Right. I think it was an interesting show that we had. I mean, we're writing up right now uh, with, with, with the conversation that we've been having. We spoke to, to the Department of, of Basic Education right now about the work that they are doing and how they will hopefully uh, play a role in reducing you know, the issues of gender-based violence that start from a young age, unfortunately, and accumulates, accumulates over the years as children grow up. And we would like to see a South Africa that is looking much, very much different to the way it looks right now, where you can walk the streets and you are safe as a woman, as a child, and even as men, where, uh, you know, we don't have issues of people looking down on other people because of your gender, your sexual orientation, where we don't have kids putting each other because the one is gay, or, you know, those are the very issues that unfortunately end up, you know, sparking out of control, leading to some of the violence that we really, really do see in our communities that end up with physical violence, sexual violence, you know, things that we, you know, that we need to really put an end to. And so um, we, 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 we hope that as a community, we can also play a role. It's obviously not just the department's yeah. place. It's not just government. It's not just, not just government who will it's not, no, solve the problem. You know, as, as, as community members, the things that we say... Uh, you know, what you were saying on earlier, Tepo, when you spoke about the men are trash thing, it's not just you saying, I don't do ABC. The conversations that you do have, what are they relating, you know? That's very important, and mm. we need to... What are you condemning? What are you silently uh, allowing as well? Exactly. So, um, I, I, I think that's my two cents for, for this evening's show. And the 16 days of activism need to definitely be more than 16 days. 365 days is literally what we are working on. Yeah, it's every day. All right, thank you and good night. We have had uh, really an interesting show, something of a difficult show. Um, uh, but I hope that what we said to, told you tonight left a little, uh, uh, a little bit for you to think about and to consider going forward. Um, we'd like to thank everybody involved in tonight's show. Uh, yeah, I'm terrible with that. I'm just awful with that. I know I'm terrible with that. But I mean, to our producers, uh, um, um, Simba Honde, our researchers, as I said, to Anelka and Sisley as well, uh, I am Tapo. And then there's Millicent Ndiweni. Remember that you can find our podcast on Iono FM, vits.journalism.co.za forward slash law. Thank you and good night. Law Focus Podcast is also available on iTunes. Search Law Focus.